Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello listener and welcome to episode 52 of the From the Finney podcast with Jimmy and me, Jake. We're joined by Jack Goodwin again for this episode and we'll discuss a rather boring afternoon in all honesty. Uh, We've got a couple of different talking points and we have another food-based discussion for you as well, so enjoy. Jack, thanks for coming back on, mate. Hope you're you're well. Yeah, I'm all right. No, just looking forward to the end of the season. I just want to get the end of the season now. You're not alone there, I don't think, mate. Jimmy, you good, mate? Yeah, good mate. Yeah, decent good. day yesterday. It's just uh, shame the football yeah. sort of ruined it. <laughs> like, Jack, like Jack's just said, I'm ready for the end of this season. However, I'm I'm very glad gra- uh, Grassroots is back. Um, that's reinvigorated some love for football for me. Uh, yeah, but, likewise. Yeah, as always, just a reminder at the start of these episodes that you can support us here at From the Finney with a one-off or a regular donation. It's up to you. Uh, big or as small as you like just head over to supporter.acast.com forward slash from the finney and anything that's donated is greatly appreciated helps to keep the pod and the website running even though the website's been a bit quiet recently yeah and if you can't afford to anything but you're listening to us on an apple device then we would massively massively appreciate if you could just leave us a review on the apple podcast app Uh, helps us get up the charts and yeah, reach, get a little bit closer to the uh, to the goal of 150,000 downloads before the end of the season, touch wood. We're, We're getting there, aren't we? Closer We're now, cl- yeah. yeah, close, close. But uh, yeah, just I'm ready for the 8th of May, mate, I'll be honest with you. Yeah, <laughs> We're so ready for Same. it. I'm looking forward to having a month off in June, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, <laughs> give me lie. both, mate. It'll be sods law. We'll have like 10 days off or something and then it'll be like, right, new manager, five new contracts, blah, 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 blah. And there'll be a load of shite to talk about. But we'll deal with that as and when anyway. Um, yeah, Saturday afternoon, uh, it was, well, the first half was pretty shite, wasn't it? Pedestrian, I think, is a polite way of putting it. Two teams just waiting for the end of the season, I think. Um yeah. I thought Stoke were the better team first half and in all honesty I thought they created the better chances yeah um, but whilst probably not really testing Iverson in goal I just thought they, they had a bit more about them and then second half I thought we'd go into the game and you know we probably should have won the game if you look on the, at the chances you know obviously Hughes hit the post you know Barky's decent effort from 20 odd yards and then I think the sending off, yeah, is a sending off. Put Brownie's touches horrendously up to it. Like, he just ne- he needed that little bit of contact and he was always going down. But I think it's too late at that point. What is it, about the 87th minute, the red card? It's, you know, it's not like it's going to affect the game really because we didn't really create anything after that point. You know, they put on a centre-half straight away and, yeah, just a bit of a drab game. Just nothing really in it. Two teams just treading water and just wanting to get to the 8th of May and be safe. Um well, Stoke are safe, aren't they? They're, they're just yeah, fully they're stuck good. in mid-table. <laughs> yeah, they'll finish 12th, 14th, something like that, won't they? Um, what are they after yesterday? 12th, so I think it's quite tight, that 11th, 12th, 13th spot. You know, Stoke, uh, Luton winning yesterday, put them on the same points. It's just like mid-table teams, aren't they? Um, yeah. We're seven points behind Stoke, but I didn't, I didn't think we were seven points different in terms of team to be honest yesterday you know that considering the players that they had at their disposal as well you know Stephen Fletcher who's proven at his level Nick Powell did did all right you know Joby McKell's probably won a Champions League I, I, I guess for, no, I, for think, I think yes, I think he, I think he was in that squad yeah you know Sam I've no doubt if, if that's wrong someone will let us know yeah yeah I'm just I'm, that's just off stuff head, so I might be talking nonsense there like but Sam Clucas you know, has had some big bucks paid for him through his career hasn't he I like him I thought he yeah. was fairly lively first half um, you know James Chester was a Premier League centre half Reese Norrington Davis is a good I think he's decent him you know, yeah, I know it was, it was on loan at Luton previously yeah is that where he was at I think he's decent and Adam Davis who they had from Barnes the keeper I thought, like, he's, he's good him you know yeah. he's got a good record this season and so 
yeah, I'm just glad of the point. You know, I'm glad of the clean sheet after last last Saturday when it was lots of bits. Yeah. So what's that now? Five points from four games under Frankie. Just, just keep ticking over, don't we? Just think we need two, maybe three more points from these last four games and yeah, we can start start planning for the summer then. Yeah. I think it's one of it's one of those, isn't it? You know, we're in a bit of a and what we're in a, we've been saying it for about 12 months now, but we are in a transitional period and we are now. Uh, and we're just, you know, we've got our sandals on. And when you like you said, when you look at Stoke's team, it's not a bad point to, to take away. And I, I do think Stoke will kick on next year. Um, I think, especially with Michael O'Neill, who I think is a very good manager, I think they probably will be up there as a top six contender, if not uh, pushing on further higher they, in the league. So they were earlier in the season, weren't they? Before. They were, yeah. Uh, it's dropped off. It was the goals of uh, Tyrese Campbell, weren't it? He was doing yeah. really well and then he got injured. So, and Stephen Fletcher, how old is he now? Like 35, 34? He's not yeah, going to be able to replicate that sort of energy that um, Campbell gave them at the, th- the first half of the season. So, yeah, it's one of those, you know, it's, it's, we're trying out new systems, players playing in new positions. Um, yeah, a decent point. Yeah, that's it. Like you said, I think they've got the sandals on. They're just waiting for a couple more points to get the swim shorts on and take the t-shirts off, and then they're fully on the beach. It's I think probably I'm probably just, not my best analogy, but <laughs> I I'm going to disagree with you, Jack, about them kicking on next season because I thought this would be the year, and so did Ollie when we start when we did our pre-season predictions piece. Yeah. Me and Ollie both had them in top six. I think they've been disappointed this year. I think Michael O'Neill's quite negative in terms of the way he sets his team up. You know, they've scored. About a goal a game, conceded about a goal a game. Tyrese He's going to have Campbell's pressure on him, isn't he, next season? Yeah, absolutely. O'Neal. Especially with the money that, that the Coates family have. Um, I think it's a big summer for them. And what was the lad they got from, was it, um, oh, the lad they got from abroad? Was it Germany that they brought in on loan in, in January? Oh, uh, from uh, Matabeo or something like that, from Schalke. Yeah, um, yeah. It's just didn't even get off. Did he, did he, Matondo, even get off the Matondo, bench? Matondo, yeah, that's him. Did he even get off the bench yesterday? Did he play? He was on, he was on the bench, but I don't think he came on. But he's I like Jack Clark. Come on, he's he's definitely injured. Oh, he's injured. All right, fair um, yeah, he's been he's been out for a few because he play, he signed because I I was thinking we should have gone in for him on loan yeah, from Spurs. Yeah, saying yeah. But he's been injured since the end of March. I think it is now. Uh, might have been a season ender actually, but they had a couple of kids on the bench, didn't they? Again yesterday, Stoke. So they had that young lad Norton, I think it was as well, that made his, yeah, debut. his debut. Yeah, looked all, so, looked all right. To be fair, for for a club of their size, you'd expect them to have better strength and depth, wouldn't you? Really, but I think we'll probably compete at a similar level next season to them if we get the summer right. But that's oh. obviously something that we we need to do. Um, that's that's a, a full podcast in itself, isn't it? I think that's yeah. um, it's not one to try and squeeze into a weekly one, especially when we're all feeling like we are at the minute. Um, Ched's goal slash not goal. Do you agree with that? Disagree with it? It's foul in it. I think I remember at the time. I think it was my father-in-law said, or someone else. Maybe I said it. I don't know if that's. The opposite way around, it's probably given as a penalty, isn't it? Well, yes, yeah, foul. Yeah, we can't yeah. complain. Like it's the same with with their disallowed goal. It's offside, so you can't. Yeah. You, can't you can't argue with a, a decision that's the right decision. Um, a draw was a fair result. Uh, you know, I think we could have nicked it, but on the balance of play, still a better team first half. We were probably the better team second half. At least we gave it a go. Um, Pittsburgh's only made two subs, but. End of the day, if it's not if it's not broken, you don't need to fix it, do you? So yeah, exactly. Thought Sep looked good on the right of that back three. I thought the whole defence looked good, to be honest with you. I thought yeah. they all looked pretty comfortable. I thought Hughes was the standout for me. Um his link up play with Greg on that left side uh, was really good. And I think it, he's grown into that position really, Hughes. You know, he can play a bit more inverted as a centre back. Um because was it the Wickham game where him and Story partnered each other uh, in the FA Cup and they were the the I know this was as a free, but I think even as that left-sided uh, centre-back, he's, I think he's starting to 
uh, do well there. And obviously, when you've got Greg back in, is Greg your starting left back? I, I don't know. I, I don't think there's much in it for me between the two of them. Uh, Greg, three years ago, would have walked into the side, uh, but we haven't seen enough of, of Cunningham uh, to I think really it, make a judgment. It's we all, we all know what, history. yeah, we all know what Greg's issue is, don't we? He can't stay yeah. fit. Do you think if Greg can stay fit between now and the end of the season that he'll be offered a contract or do you think it's a bit more touch and go? Or I uh, I think I think he will get offered a contract because I think it's where the club's at, to be honest. Um, I, I, don't, I, I don't think we're going to be really ambitious this summer. I've been speaking to a few North End fans and they seem to think we're going to start buying these top quality championship players because we have gaps. I don't think we will. <laughs> We've not done uh, that for as long as my dad's been supporting the club, never mind exactly. since I've been supporting them. Exactly. So Cunningham's a, a nice guy and uh, he, he does a he does a, a good job, a decent job with us. He's not the player that he was three years ago, but um he's not a bad player either. And I don't I don't think we're um I don't think there's much difference between him and Hughes. Um, I'm not sure where Josh Earls at at the moment in terms of is he in the plans. You have to see who the new gaffer is and uh, how the new recruitment team cope with it all. But yeah, no, I've, I fully expect Greg to be offered a contract. I'd be surprised if he isn't. Yeah, I like Greg. I'm just, I, d- I do worry about this fitness piece. Um, I think you're right in terms of the Hughes-Cunningham link. I think it worked really well yesterday. Hughes is better in a back three than, a, than a, as a two. It gives me the jitters when he gives me the jitters big time when he's as a two. Um, seen that in Brentford game. So obviously the Wickham game that you mentioned. But like as a three, I think we played a back three at Rovers, didn't we? With Hughes as the left side of the three. And it worked really well. I think Greg's better in that wing-back role. But I think Josh Hill could probably fit into that wing-back role next year. He's not getting a kick for Burton Albion. So it's, it's difficult to see where he's going to fit in. Because obviously we've sent him out on loan thinking he's going to get games. He's barely, he's barely kicked a ball. I think he's maybe three or four games. He came back in for one game and then he's sat on the bench since. So that's difficult to know where it's at, you know, especially after him just signing a new contract. Same situation with Harrop. You know, goes on loan to Ipswich, barely gets a kick. And then when he does get a start, he gets himself sent off. Gets himself sent off. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Josh Harrop leave in the summer, to be honest. He won't play but, for us again. My issue is who takes him? I've, my Lanks live piece that's coming out tomorrow probably covers this in a bit of detail as well because like, I looked through the players and the contracts that are up so we've got seven out of contract this summer and then we've got 13 next summer it's, so, it's um, a contract situation all over again well the issue is next summer is that you've got Barky out of contract who's made the most appearances for this season so, Scott Sinclair who's our top scorer Brad Potts who's our second top scorer all out of contract you've got five defenders you've got both you've got all three centre-halves in Bauer, Hunts and Story, you got Hughes, you got Rafferty. I know Rafferty's probably going to be a bit part player, might go on in the summer anyway. But that in the next, what we've got, three months left till these contracts are up, is it? End of June, isn't it? So, yeah. so the next 14, 15 months, we've got 20 players out of contract. <laughs> shambles, isn't it? Well, it's not, I wouldn't say, we've been here before, it's a shambles. Uh, yeah, it's like, it's like yeah. a broken record, isn't it? It's like it's exactly where we we're at the last summer, and it's but like we've not learned. It's like we've got you to look get it sorted. You look at clubs that are well run, and I say that in respect of not so much the finances because I think we are like, well, maybe I don't know. I'm just gonna. Are you talking about Brentford, like when yeah. they're tying players down the to players down well in advance? The the they'll get maybe. A year, 18 months, maybe two years into a three or four year contract and the club will look at how they're performing, look at their potential uh, future sell-on value, their age, all that sort of stuff and offer them new deals. I think, was it Jade or Josh De Silva, whoever it is that plays for Yeah, them? Josh De Silva. Maybe about 12 months ago, signed like a new four-year contract and it was only halfway through a current four-year contract or something like that. Soon that makes this season. See- it was this Never season that happened. Like North End doing that ever. No, but Jake, the caliber of their players is better than ours. Yeah, that's why they're in top six, but... and they're gonna they're gonna tie down players like that because they're Josh De Silva. He's come from Arsenal, was it, or he came from yeah. a Premier League club to I start think it was with? Arsenal. Like he's got the ability to start with the the caliber of player they they recruit. You know, from 
their model, you know, the Matthew Benham way, is a higher standard than what we're at. Hopefully, under under James and and Peter, you know, whoever's going to be doing the recruitment this summer, then we we get to a, a decent level in terms of recruiting players that aren't only going to impact the team now, but are going to have a future sell-on fee because that's my concern. I look at the squad and you yeah, probably can pick... That's the thing. We don't really Jordan have Jordan Story, pl- maybe? No. We don't have players with a sell-on value, Jake. This is my issue. No, that's what I'm saying. May- maybe Jordan Story. He's probably just about young enough. Maybe. Jake, he's out of contract next summer. He's got no... Va- he's, what, where's the value? Uh, he's got- yeah, I'm thinking in my head, he's one that if we offer him a contract to, he's potentially... But if you, I, I, I'm looking maybe. at this summer. Ledson's yeah, probably the only me. one. Ledson's probably the only one that you look at. Look at our squad and think, yeah, we can sell them on and make a profit or make a bit of money on him. Yeah, because at the minute we don't have any. We don't have anyone, and and like we've got we've got rid of the crown jewels, whatever you want to call them, big five that had a value because they weren't signing a contract or whatever the situation was. But we've lost them for for pennies, and. We've not got anyone coming through now, so we've, we've lost the crown jewels, and now we've got nothing left. It's like just mm, left with we've we've got it. We're starting again. This is like 2013, 2014, all over again when we recruited, you know, Daniel Johnson, Alan Brown, those sort of players. Alan Robinson. And yeah, we're going to need to bring in that level of player that's 22, 23 years old that has the potential to kick on. Different, they might not know. We're in the championship now on League yeah, One. It's easier to do that in League One, isn't it? On mm. our budget, anyway. Hundred percent. It's going to be. It's going to be an Which, interesting summer. Again, um, like, is why this summer is so big. It's massive. It's absolutely massive. There's no two ways about it. Um, but like I said before, I think that's probably one that at the end of the season we can have a full a full episode about. Um, in terms of maybe not specifically the summer, but definitely the coming weeks. Um, I had a couple of questions in on Twitter that were sort of similar and along the same sort of lines, but I figured I'd, I'd just sort of go with the general topic and open it up to a bit more of a discussion. But obviously with restrictions easing now, and um, I know there's been pilot events that have happened and, and are happening in the coming weeks. How, how do the club go about attracting fans back into Deepdale from next season for you two? Because we've heard from people at the club how just how important that income is. Obviously, fortunately, we've got Trevor that has been more than happy to sort of see us through this last 12, 18 months, whatever it'll be by the time season tickets get announced. But he can't carry on doing that for the rest of however long he's at the club, you know, they need mm. to start generating some kind of income. So how, how, how do the club go about that? Because Jim, we've said it multiple times in the past, people have fallen out of the habit of going on North End every weekend, just don't want to spend the money perhaps, um, you know, whether the missus are giving him some stick or their partners and saying, you're not going back on every week. I, I don't think you can underestimate how big a summer this is because I think fan engagement is is massive part of how we progress the football club, increase the turnover, increase the, I suppose, the money that's going into the pot. Do you want to put it in the simple terms? Because, you know, looking through the numbers, you know, our total turnovers as a club, if you take out TV money, is about four million quid, you know, which is puts us in the bottom, I think, seven or eight clubs in the league, you know, and then we're spending 20 million pounds on wages. So, I think total turnover is about 11 million quid and we spent 20 million pound on wages for the last accountancy period, which was up to the 30th of June, 2020. So that's, we've got to work out a way of getting more people through the gate as well as trying to re-engage fans that have fallen out of the habit. It'll be 17 months between the QPR game last March and the first game of the 2021 season. That's the, that's the key point for me is re-engaging with fans because we all we all know how the club works and there's like limited numbers of staff in certain teams and whatnot. But yep. I think that, that engagement is massive. And not it just is. that, the, the experience of when you go on the match and, and and you know the match day experience and how that sort of translates into 
fans going, do you know what? This is fucking brilliant. I'm going to tell my mates about it and I'm going to get them on next week and I am coming but, back. But I think the other... So, for example, on fan engagement point of view, you, you go to away games around the country and it's about more than just 90 minutes. I'll, I'll use Brighton, Bristol City, Accrington Stanley as three examples of great fan experiences. You know, people turn up to Ashton Gate at 12 half 12. You've got probably half a dozen bars and food stalls and bands playing. Same with Brighton. You know, the the fan experience is about more than just the 90 minutes. And that's probably the way I'd market it is it is about more than the 90 minutes because the 90 minutes is what we're used to, 46 games a season or the cup and the cup games. It's got to be about more than just that, especially with now with fans coming back. You know, people have people's income is tight. You know, the country's pretty much in recession, if we're honest, because of of everything that's happened with the pandemic and a lot of people have lost their jobs you know so you've got what do we have 8,000 100 season ticket holders or something of that manner through the books 8k wasn't it yeah but that includes kids season tickets that's not adult that isn't just adult paying season tickets I think it was the last fans forum or the second to last one I think it was said that there was only roughly a third of those 8,000 that are full paying adults full paying adults which is the key term so you've got under 16s within that figure you've got OAPs you've got disabled and helper massive amount of season tickets as well as the under 12s or under 11s which were free I believe from the mini white scheme yeah under 11s wasn't it how many of those were getting used every week I think Peter said it was minimal and so you know we've got an issue there and I think we've just got to go out at this it's more than just 90 minutes because engaging fans especially with fan apathy at the minute you know, people falling out of the habit, people a bit disillusioned with a few things happening at the club. We, we've got to get everyone bored and it's got to be United front. And I think I said it a couple of weeks ago when we talked about the new manager. The last thing we want to do first game back is we get a new manager in and there's already discontent within the fan base and that that feeling of apathy. And, at the you appointment. Know, at the appointment or transfers into some more, losing key players or not signing new players up and just a general feeling of discontent because at that point... You know, negativity spreads negativity. You know, we've yeah. seen it in businesses, we've seen it in other clubs. It's <laughs> funny, but we've seen it over the our fan base. over the last 12 months with our and fans, absolutely. haven't we? Exactly. So, you know, you, you know it yourself, Jake. If as soon as you get one or two people being negative, it spreads like wildfire because people like a moan. Yeah, yeah. It's just a British way of working, isn't it, really? And everyone does it unless you've got a positive mindset and positive frame of frame of mind, because it's sort of everyone's sort of programmed to do it and sort of it's like sheep in it you just like just follow the crowd and yeah yeah I think this summer's massive I can't stress it enough and you know it doesn't it isn't just about the manager and it isn't just about the players we recruit it's about the whole fan experience because it's very easy to fall out of love in this game and you know we've seen it under Graham Wesley we, we lost fans under Graham Wesley as season to callers that we still haven't got back yeah so the the message is really clear for me. It's got to be about more than ninety minutes, and it's got to be done right. I really, I really like that actually about the whole you know advertising it is is it's more than ninety minutes because well with the whole Super League proposals coming out now, you know that's all that's you know that's nothing to do with fans. There's no thought about fans going into that. And just just on that, Jack. That. Someone someone sent a Twitter question in on Twitter saying, how does the Super League affect North End? I'll answer that now. It doesn't. Mm. It, it really, it really doesn't, though. Like, if three, if three, if six teams, sorry, leave the Prem, uh, we're, we're, what, 16th, 17th in the Championship? doesn't affect us at all. I that think it be, does. would be six places closer, wouldn't we? Not that I want it. I think it completely would destroy football. How, how do you think it does affect us? Well, because two, what was the season? 17-18, was it? Or 16-17, where we finished seventh. We would have won the league that year, wouldn't we? My maths are correct. Would have, think, yeah, would have got promoted. If you take those six teams out, that would have been us winning the league. I think it, it has the potential to change football, not just in England, but across Europe, to a level that we're never going to be able to recover from financially. Um, because if you think about the TV deals, those big six teams, if you think about worldwide sort of fan viewers and, and fan bases, those six teams have the biggest fan base across the world from a, a UK yeah. model. And I think if you take out those six teams, 
and you're left with probably 14 plus four because I think the Premier League would then revert to an 18 team model as seen on the continent. The, the TV revenue deals go the, the bottom out. They plummet down. They probably, yeah, and that affects us massively because if you think about our solidarity payments we get from the Premier League, we get yeah. £7 million a year in terms of the TV deal. And that keeps us afloat. It keeps the League One and League Two afloat. It keeps a lot of grassroots and national league afloat from the money that flows down from the Premier League. Do you and think if the, if the money if the money doesn't go into the Premier League from a TV deal, it affects the full football pyramid? And uh, yeah, I think it's going to get kiboshed. I think it's just yeah. it's one of these it's one of these things. And you look at the government coming out and saying it, Premier it, the FA, the Premier League. FIFA, UEFA, everyone's saying if you go ahead with this proposal, your players won't be able to play. Yeah, pretty much. Your players yeah. won't be able to play in Europe. They won't be able to play in the World Represent Cup. the countries. Yeah. So then I what think... do you do? Do you get a China? It's going to be like China when, you know, they go there for the final payday and then that's it. But it kills those clubs because they won't be competing in the domestic leagues because they'll be... They'll be like, all, all over Europe. Well, not just that, they become the sort of the black sheep of the family, won't they? Yeah. Where they, they won't be they won't be welcome back. You know, we've I all think... got an uncle we've all got an uncle Nobed. Well, you know, but I'm just saying they won't be welcome at the yeah. dinner table at Christmas, will they? I think I was I was thinking about it before. Do you think if it went ahead that that would be more likely that we would see the formation of the Premier League too, that I think us and maybe ten or eleven other clubs in the championship were pushing for maybe about two or three years ago? I think there was us Leeds before they got promoted were one, um, and a handful of other clubs in the championship were pushing for this formation of like a Premier League two instead of not instead of the championship. I think it was in, it would go in between the championship and the Premier League, but it would then allow those clubs to have a bit more say on sort of negotiating their own television deals and and rights deals and all that sort of stuff. Do you think if the Super League happened that we would see? Something like that come about, maybe more, or it's tough to say because I, I think if the the Super League happened, the, the, I can't stress it enough, mate. It just it'll change football, yeah, on, on an un, unimaginable scale. Yeah, but you know it'll go back to what it was probably in the sixties and seventies in terms of it was, you know, a bit of a working man's game, which is great, you know, it, it's like that sort of thing. But you know, gone will be the days of us paying twenty million quid on wages. Yeah, you know, we're probably looking at a quarter of that because the TV deal will just literally will evaporate. Because why would, if you think about it on a global basis, you know, you have your Australia and your Far East fan bases that you know that's why there's a twelve thirty kickoff now, so they can watch the game. You know, twelve thirty kickoffs were pretty much unheard of until the late nineties, because uh, and the reason they're not there now is for the Far East market. You know, it's the same same like the five thirty game, seven forty five games on a Saturday, which We've never really heard of a 7.45 game on a Saturday before three, four years ago to yeah. suit Americas. You know, so, it, you know, those sort of deals evaporate. If you can't watch Man, you know, Man United, Man City at five o'clock on a, on a Saturday, you know, it's to suit America. Just like, because that game would be getting played in the Super League. Just like, the, the Sky deal would just fall to bits. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sorry, Jack, I, I interrupted you and we ended up going on a tangent. But Yeah, no, I was just kind of agreeing that obviously the whole, honestly, the Super League proposal, I, I find it very difficult to talk about. I, it just pisses me off, really. I just, it, <laughs> it would it would just literally destroy my association with top level, like elite in abbreviated commas um, football, because it's just, it's, it, that's just not what football should be about, you know. Like Jimmy was saying, it's it's more than just the ninety minutes. It's more than just the players. It's more than just the manager and everyone. It's the fans that make it. If you don't have fans paying, you know, football isn't a sport. And you know, if, I'd much rather if this Super League proposal comes about, and like Jimmy says, you're watching Man City v Man United in some Super League. I'd much rather go and watch a, a local grassroots game rather than yeah, go down to Bangor Bridge or go to Chorley or somewhere like that. Yeah. Why not? Because it, it it just pisses me off, and I think clubs now lower down divisions, um, like your Prestons, need to you know take advantage of this and kind of push the the advertising of it is about the fans. You know, we're not Man United, we're not Liverpool. You know, we care about you and all this, and um, yeah, you know, it might I've, be a bit false at times, but it, it it needs to be pushed. I have no doubt that they'll have some like plan or campaign or 
scheme. Maybe that's not the right word to use, but they'll have something in the works at the club, I've no doubt. And like you said, I think after the last 12 months, I think it's so important that that emphasis is turned around and put back on the fans and, and the club are saying, look, this is about you. We've missed you and we need you to come back and help mm. us as a club. Because I don't think there's any doubt that we've struggled at home with yeah, our no, fans. Absolutely. <clears throat> People will say, like, oh, it's fans there and it wouldn't have made a difference. I think it would. I think yeah, cool. you're deluded if you say that it wouldn't. They've had been there for 12 games and I've not seen a win yet. All I the am not going back before the end of the season. Oh, I'm, I'm not, no. I've patted in now. <laughs> it might even be 13, actually. No, it's 13. I've not seen a single win all year. I know, I know I saw, I'm lucky to go, but I've not seen a win. I saw your tweet before the Brentford game and I thought, hmm, I'm, I'm not going to count on you seeing a win for this one either. <laughs> I, was, I was confident against Brentford. We were rolling. I think the big thing about the home record is obviously it's been our worst home record in many, many years. Really? Um, long, I, long time, isn't it? There's a, there's a stat out there, I can't find it at the minute, but I think something just on terms of like marketing and fan engagement, etc. I remember when Alex Neal had us on the verge of the playoffs in his first season, the club was sending text messages out to the, to the database pretty much every week to try and encourage people to buy tickets. And when you've got such a simple tool, like you've got access to all your fans via my PNE, got to be able to use that as a, as a standard, you know, personalized emails, text messages. I know GDPR is a bit of a minefield since obviously my PNE launched, but got to be able to engage with our fan base and actually get people talking now about renewing or buying a season ticket for next year. Got to think like a lot of people have rolled the money over anyway from last year, so it's not going to be yeah. new money to the club. We've got to try and work away. At, and I, I know we've got a small office team. I, I know, and the work they do is is great. And I think a lot of the work the community, you know, team have done, especially over the past couple of weeks. You know, the stuff around Ramadan and actual fan engagement with the community is, is fantastic, and they deserve a lot of praise for it. And it was great to see him on, I think it was Northwest Tonight and on yeah. a lot of social media early in the week around that. I think it was fantastic and the club, the, the community trust deserve a lot of praise for it. But as a club, and that in, encompasses both the, the first team, the academy, the community trust, the office staff, it's got to be a whole club approach and we've got to go at this and try and get as many people back through the gate because people will be nervous about coming back to Deepdale as well. Yeah, you know, we don't know we don't know if it's gonna be fifty percent capacity come August, it could be sixty-five, it could be anything, it could be twenty-five percent. We just don't know how these trial events are going. So just gotta do everything we can to be able to engage everybody that we can get our mitts on and just go at it full throttle. You know why can't we have a fan zone as a, as an example? You well, know, it was because of the asbestos, wasn't it? But that's gone now. We've we've flattened it. We've got car park spaces there now. You know, are we going to sell that full car park out? For, you know, at what, 10, 15 pound a parking space a game? Probably, I'm not sure if we're going to... I don't think we're going to sell that car park out as well as the car park at the cop, as well as the car park at the Invincibles. It's a lot of car parking spaces for not a lot of fans. <laughs> for not a lot of fans. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> I think... I'm pretty sure we could do something, you know. Yeah, especially it's, at it's... the start of the season when the weather's going to be a lot better. You know, the, the, the night's if it's an evening game, for example, uh, are going to be lighter a lot longer. And, you know, utilise that space. You know, it, it, they might, I mean, fair enough, they might earmark it now for what it's been built for, so like car park. But, you know, you can get a bouncy castle in and get the young uh, the young fans coming in and, and getting involved before a game or get a big beer tent up and, and get, you know, a pop-up bar in and get people involved and get them down an hour or two hours before kickoff because we've got Finney's bar, but no disrespect to anyone that's listening that works there or is involved with running it. It's shit. You can get about 30 people in there. Yeah. It's, it's, the it's space pants. is small. Yeah, and, and it's not their fault. Right? No, the, yeah, that's... It's, it's not their exactly. fault, Exactly, it isn't. It's, it's a small space. There's not a lot you can do in that space. It's outsourced as well. As that's well, the other issue that's, is. That's the big problem, isn't it? Is that space is owned by the the people that run the football museum, is it? Or another company? Or is it Heartbeat? I think Heartbeat own it, don't they? Not yeah. sure if they own the cafe, but they, own, they, they 
lease the rest of the building off North End, I believe, uh, because it's North End's property. Yeah, from what I gather, but obviously Heartbeat are in a twenty-five year lease or something like that now for the music, the old museum, apart from the cafe, which I believe is run by Heathcote, um, because obviously all our um, catering is outsourced, and it's the same situation what we've got with the shop because the club shop is outsourced to Just Sport. Yeah, so obviously they provide all the kit, but North End have such limited control over what goes into the club shop. You know, there might be the odd third party. I think. Um, the chap who writes North End Souls has had his book put in yeah, there. No, yeah. Michael Barrett's had his put, book put in there, for example, for the uh, PE Forever. Speaking to Keith about North End Souls, I know he had big problems trying to get them to agree initially to sort of put in the book for sale in there. Exactly, because obviously it's, it's run by a different company. It's not run by North End. Yeah. So, you know, when Warren had the club shop years ago, when it was done by North End, you know, they had full control over everything that was in the club shop. So... <laughs> It, it's strange, like, because obviously it's, we get a set fee. I think we got about £105,000 from what I could tell in terms of revenue from the, the kit, if that makes yeah, yeah. sense, uh, within the accounts. Forgive me if I'm wrong, if if I'm, you know, if I've read that incorrectly. I think it was under the, like, merchandising or something like that. And it was a set fee. It was like hundred and five grand or something like that. It's been very similar for the past two or three seasons. So my, my perspective, that's the fee that Just Sport are giving us to run the club shop and for all the, the kit they sell basically. So, and you know, it'll probably be on a bit of a commission basis as well. So if we sell 5,000 shirts, for example, the club will get X pound per shirt, etc. But yeah. that's, that's for a business podcast of another ilk, I'm pretty sure. But I'm, that's my understanding is how it probably would work from speaking to a couple of people in that industry. So I just think we just need to go at it and, go at it the best we can obviously we don't have a head of commercial leader at the minute which probably doesn't help us either um, after obviously he left last year so you know this might there's, be pissing in the a, wind a little bit there's a lot up in the air isn't there and I think when we say this summer's massive it's not just that on the field there's so much after the last 12 months that the club has to get right mm-hmm. can we have some good half time entertainment I'd yeah, I, on I, me shed, I, son. Whatever happened to that? Uh, what was that? Sorry. There was the, the, a shed in the centre circle, and I think did it not have a roof on it or something, Jim? And you had to basically. Like, I think if you if you booted the ball into the shed, you won a shed. It didn't have a roof on it. That was the issue, Jake. It was done, but I think it was a part of a wicks. It was like a it was like a shed with half a roof missing, and you had to chip the ball into the into the shed. I think that was, was before it? my time. Oh. I used to love watching that. I used to love the byline challenge one, and then the one where they had like the bowls lined up, and they did it from different places. And when yeah, I was yeah. like a kid, like in primary school, I loved it. And to be fair, they get like the primary school teams or uh, grassroots football teams doing a penalty shootout, but you can have something going on at the same time. Um, even and like, I- was it back in like, was it about like ten years ago when they used to have like music, and half the time it was crap, but at least it was something. Like I, I know, obviously, we've not been there for a year, but I remember thinking. Last year, just being on the town end or where I was commentating, you know, you want a, you want a bit of entertainment, you know, you want to have a laugh at someone yeah. falling on their arse or something, you know, you want you you want to see something, you know, the, the kids doing the penalty shootout, it's fine, keep that, you know, it's great advertising, give gets kids, maybe makes them become a North End fan, but you know, you can have something going on at the same time because no one's actually watching that other than the kids and their parents. But no one's actually e- watching that. Even if they are, I'm not. I'm not being funny, but you don't know who the teams are. They don't yeah. announce them. Like yeah. you, you don't. You've no idea what score it is. Like it don't. Like you said, Jack, it's great for the kids. And having coached youth football from under nines, I think I started at under eights. It's great. I know for a fact that if my lads back then had that opportunity, they'd have been buzzing about it. But. To the to the wider audience and or the rest of the fans, like it doesn't really it doesn't float your boat, does it? So to speak, probably not the right phrase to use when we're talking about kids' penalty shootouts. But you get what I'm saying. But yeah. you use the big screen to at least like say which teams run and stuff. Right, yeah. utilize what utilize what we've got. Um, have you seen that Sunderland one? By the way, there's a clip of it I on Twitter and stuff. You know when he gets tripped over at the end. I think they have a fan from each team. Yeah. Oh, it's brilliant that one. Was it, that is, was that it Plymouth, is, Sunderland and Plymouth? Yeah, and he yeah. legged him up and then he, he ran through. 
Yeah. And all, the, all the crowd are like, boo. That's brilliant, that. So, yeah. But it's like, I was speaking to someone yesterday, like, and I think it was like chat, like a lot of t- a lot of the clubs in like League One and a couple of our clubs in our league have their own, instead of having I follow, they have their, like, their, yeah, own, their own TV. Their like, service, don't they? Yeah, like Derby TV, Swans TV. Um, like Charlton have their own, like, and I was, you know, with someone yesterday and they're like, have you seen this? Like, and I had it on the phone, like on Twitter and they had a couple of like ex-pros, Scott Minto was presenting their yeah. iFollow program. Yeah. Um, you know, Sunderland have got their own now. You know, th- since their new owner's come in, he's actually said like, well, we'll do it ourselves. Just, it'd be great to like take stuff like that in-house, but I just know we haven't got the staffing capabilities to do it, but... Yeah, it would, it would be good and there'd be so much potential for getting like fans in. If you had like, I don't know, a 30-minute pre-match talk show or something, get a mm-hmm. former player on, have your regular host, and then you get a fan in or the phone in or the FaceTime in, whatever it is. We can do it. I, I, I'd imagine they don't have the biggest budget. I got invited to go on a, a Wickham one. Oh, yeah. They I do messaged it. Messaged the, uh, the guy messaged me, didn't he? I put him on to you. Yeah, but, no, he's... he's uh, but like... Was that just on their be, YouTube yeah, no, channel, that? Yeah, but even even if it's just a YouTube channel, like Easy it's enough, official it? Wickham, you know, and why it's, not? It's, that's my point. It's only YouTube. It's easy enough to sort out. Yeah, yeah, and that goes glo- That's a global audience. Then you know you've got your fans that are in America or in Europe that can watch that on YouTube, like a yeah. previous show. You've got guys that walk into the game on the phone. You know they can plug it in. You've got it on the screens in the ground because it's it's easy to do. Yeah. You know, it's not hard, especially if you've got the capability. You know, we've got this, the Sky Sports results coming through. You know, just stick the, the YouTube well, channel YouTube on for on half an there, hour. Yeah. Right, we've got the capability Self-promo to do as it. well, isn't it? Well, exactly. If you've got, you know, an ex-pro, you know, you've got, I don't know, Ian Bryson or someone like that speaking on there, because obviously Ian Bryson does a lot with the hospitality anyway. You know, or you've got, I don't know, Graham Atkinson. You know, the, the people that are involved in the club. You know, lots yeah. of works for the club. You know, you've got people who are actually involved that you could, that are engaging as well, you know, and actually you can listen to them for half an hour or they can have different interviews on. You can have an interview from, from Exton, for example, as part of the pre-match programme with, I don't know, Gaff, the new gaffer or one of players. It's just like, just we've just got, I always use this phrase, like, if you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always get. Like, We've got to do something different because what's the point? You know, we're just going around in circles, aren't we? Yeah. Really, like, and, just n- and now's the time, isn't it? After after the last twelve months and the time that we've all been through, um, you know, now is the time for something different, and and but, for the club, I think, to stand up and be counted, and and I think show that they care. And I'm sure there's people at the club that listen to this and they'll be thinking, "What are them three lads talking about? They've not got a clue." But we care. We, the, we, we care, but if we don't have a clue, audience. we're part of the market. We're exactly, and it, if we don't have a clue, what does that come down to? We don't have a clue what's going on at the club because there's no fan engagement. It's like, so, I mean, just talk to you know. If you want to talk to us, talk to us. If you don't, you don't. But yeah, just like end of the day, now is the time to re-engage this fan base because. We've got a real problem on our hands, you know. Come selling these season tickets if we just continue to do what we've always done. Yeah, you know, we, we, I know we've got the Premier membership, but we feel like we're a million miles away from Premier League football at this moment in time. You know, you look at the clubs coming down from the Premier League. You look at the teams that are going to come up from League One. I just think we're nowhere near it, are we? It's good. well, it's going to be a struggle, but we've got it, this is what I mean. We've got to get everything right this summer. You know, the the fan side, the football side. You know, the club side, yeah, we've got a great new training ground, but the training ground isn't going to score us 20 goals in the championship. No, and, and uh, there's, as good as it is, there's only so long that you can keep going on about how we've bought a new training ground and at what point does it not become new anymore? Like, at what point is it just the training ground? Well, exactly. That's months, not me, 18 that's, months. That's not me being disrespectful at all, by the way. You know, no, yeah, like, at- likewise, but it's it's not a drum that can be banged forever. We've got there's just a lot we've got to get right. We've got a good training ground now. Obviously, it's not great on springies, but we've got to kick on in every other area. It's not just about the training ground and, yeah. and the offices. You know, we've got to kick on everywhere. Absolutely, so. absolutely. Um, yeah, cheers, boys. We'll call that brew time.
The From the Finney podcast is brought to you in partnership with our title sponsor, Lanks Live. Lanks Live is the most popular news source in the county and is run entirely by a local team who all care dearly about the areas in which they live. On to matters football, specifically Preston North End, and George Hodgson is their man at Deepdale. He's a North End fan and he asks the questions that the fans want answered. The best thing about Lanks Live is that the news is all free to read and the best way to keep on top of it all is by downloading the app or signing up to the newsletter. Head on over to lanks.live and sign up today. To stay up to date with all the latest news coming from Deepdale, follow their dedicated Twitter account, at PNE Live. And now, back to the podcast. Welcome back to part two of the From the Finney podcast. In this part, we've got another food chat for you, and then we'll finish off by looking ahead to Tuesday night's game against Derby County. Um, yeah, lads, we've had, I think, the pie discussion and the biscuit discussion last week have probably been the two most talked about parts of the podcast for the last couple of weeks. So we're carrying on with what's your favourite breakfast cereal? Fucking hell. Is this oh, what it's come it? to? Is this what it's come to? <laughs> Only four more games to go, Jim. Is this what our season's come to? Is this what I have every day, or is this like just I think, to I think it can be what, what you have every day, but then what, what's your favourite as well? For example, I regularly have just porridge in the morning. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. That is just the most Tom Finney stand breakfast I think I've ever heard of. <laughs> that just just does not makes that just does not surprise me one iota, Jake. Then is it not I, too much effort? It's too much effort to make porridge in it. I never make porridge because it's quite. It's like it takes like ten minutes in it. Ah, uh, if yeah, if you're doing it in a pan, but I'm not. I'm not seventy, mate. I don't cut my porridge in a pan. <laughs> um, but then I love frosties, but they're so bad for you. You can't have them every day. And then my absolute favourite, but I rarely get them, is golden nuggets. What the hell's a golden nugget? <laughs> just really like they're just like little golden balls of deliciousness. It's got to be craves, you know, craves, oh, chocolate no, craves, overrated. gorgeous. No, the gorgeous with a little bit of chocolate inside, you know, and it mixes it in with your water. There's, there's it all, like there's a only Jack. Mix there's only with one with your milk, oh. obviously. Uh, I thought you said water. Then I was going to say no, 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 no. But no, the, but the, the chocolate inside the craves. Once like you've bitten through it, it goes into it and it becomes like a bit it's like a, chocolate milk. It's a thoughts. good job we're not doing video podcasts because the absolute passion that you're putting <laughs> into like describing this little chocolate parcel. <laughs> right. there's, only, there's only one chocolate cereal that is allowed, and, and that's Jim's shout. Cocoa Pops, obviously. Yeah. Boring. Big, big shout out to Honey Nut Cheerios. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Mate, I've, got, I've got a really sweet tooth, mate. So anything with a bit of sugar in or like. Honey, I'm I'm all over. Um, the good, I'm, I'm just not sure where I stand on nuts on cereal, but then again, I it's not. I, it's, I, Jake, I, Jake, it's not like it's a peaking in the middle of my honey nut Cheerios. When I'm having a mate. Come <laughs> massive, on, massive Brazil nut. Yeah, mate. Honey when nuts. you're at, when having wheat a bit, do you heat it in the microwave oh. or do you not? Is the question. Yeah. We've had this discussion before, I think, Jim. Maybe not We've on the pod, had, but yes, heated all the time with a with a little bit of sugar in. Yeah, but Jake, you're strange. You put the wheat sticks in the microwave. Yeah, pour some milk on it, put it in the microwave, no. thirty seconds, mush it up, bit of sugar. I suppose it's probably just a bit like porridge. Mate. Just have I'm porridge not... instead. Why are you Why are you faffing? <laughs> why are you faffing? It's gonna be cold. I don't mind cold or warm. I used to be really stickler for wheat a bit so like I'd only ever have it with hot milk but hot milk not not in the microwave Jake I hot milk <laughs> separately poured onto the wheat a bit I don't mind it either way now they're just mid-tier aren't they as a, as a cereal they do the job not good if you're oh who do I speak to someone who's like got like a wheat intolerance or whatever it is he's like hey, I can't wait a bit anymore like, oh, okay. Thanks do, for I think that. they do do a gluten free or it's like Otabix or something it's called Ah, oh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, is it celiac or something like that? Yeah, something like that. Week. Yeah, they said like it's not good for them. But yeah, mate, cocoa pops all, all day long for me. I I often like I'll, I'll go to work and I'll have it before I start. I won't eat it in the morning before I take to the nursery because it's just chaos. 
in, in, just, in an effort not to come across as boring, then I'll say Frosties. It's what basically what I grew up eating. Jake, you said porridge. You sit on the finish stand, you eat porridge. You go on with a tartan blanket and a flask. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Next, you'll be saying I take Tim wrap butties on the coach. That would not shock me either. No, I don't. I What's wrong with don't. that? Saves your money. Nothing wrong with that. I always take tin. I take a whole sandwich box. It's yeah, there we go. Saves your money. You know, be stingy about it. <laughs> Do you what am I listening to as well, Jack? Um, yeah, it's a mix. Yeah, I'd probably have sat on the Finney more than the town end, to be honest with you. We'll stand in unity, Jake. I need help. <laughs> I can't believe I said that. <laughs> yeah, Derby. Then I think, I think we'll we'll stick a pin in that serial discussion. And that that another one, another one that, in fact another one that we did get in I don't think it's worthy of a long discussion I think it's quite a simple answer um, curry sauce or gravy from the chippy neither 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 ketchup ketchup and mayonnaise you, oh, you're not coming on again <laughs> what's wrong with ketchup ketchup and mayo yeah mayo chop that's what oh, it's called it's Jack, honestly I'm, I'm, I'm muting you sorry Jack. honestly it's superb it's sensational <laughs> How, how do you what Jesus what? Christ Jim no, go on sauce, I'm either too tired or too old for this conversation <laughs> um, what's the question gravy or curry sauce and chippy yeah it depends what I'm having what am I having am I having sausage and chips am I having pie and chips am I having fish and chips what's what's the crack what's your go to well if it's fish and chips it's mushy peas if it's sausage and chips it's it's gravy you get curry sauce chip. with anything? I do like curry sauce, you know. I don't mind that if I'm just having chips. Yeah, chips, I think chips that's, that's the only acceptable answer for me. If you're just getting chips, get some curry sauce. Or you gravy. can have it with it's the sausage. entirely up to you. You can have sausage, chips and curry sauce. That, that That's all right. That's acceptable. Not with a fish, though. Come on. Fish, chips and mushy, mushy peas every day of the week. Not a fan of mushy peas, to be perfectly honest. Just nothing shocks me on this podcast anymore. peas over mushy peas and Jake. They say that again, mate. Is it garden peas over mushy peas? Yeah, I love peas? garden peas. No, that's boring. I, I, I haven't actually put garden peas with my fish and chips, I will add, but I would eat garden peas with, like, I just don't like, is it marifat peas that they make mushy peas with? Marifat's a sound. Just not a fan. Not a fan. And this is another one that's probably going to piss a load of people off. I don't like parched peas. I think they're horrendous. Hmm. You don't like what? Parched, parched peas. peas. I don't even know what they are. Oh, oh no. I think I no. born in the 21st century. Uh, they're still you're selling. In, you're born in Preston, though. It's a Preston, Preston thing. It's a, it's a Preston delicacy. Let me have a look. Uh-huh. We've got Jake who doesn't eat fucking butter pies. We've got someone who's never heard of parched No, please. no. I, just on that, actually, I got a load of shit for saying, people saying, oh, you don't like butter pies. I never said I didn't like them. I said I thought they were overrated. They're not overrated. They are. It's basically hot pot without the meat in pastry. No, it's not. It's not. (laughs) Oh, I'm close to having a a podcast podcast (laughs) meltdown here. Oh, Um, please talk about Derby, please. Because I need to go to bed. Their form's (laughs) pretty shite, uh, as you would expect, being fourth bottom. One win, two draws from the last (laughs) ten games, and I think you said before, Jim, did you, that they've only won. Two or three times since uh, Bailey got injured. Well, it's four, but yeah, the, the, the one four, drawn three, lost nine since Bailey got injured at the end of January. Um, so yeah, they, they struggle without him. Fifteen points from sixteen games. I think they're in a bit of a pickle, aren't they? they they've got to win on, on Tuesday night. If they win, it pretty much relegates Wickham and Chef Wednesday. Um, yeah, Chef Wednesday. Are, well, both Chef Wednesday and Wickham don't they have to win their game? Have to win, They're, and they've got to win every game of the season at that point, and then hope that Derby don't pick up any more points. So, yeah, it's a massive game for them. I think we need two, maybe three points to be guaranteed of survival. So, well, you look yeah. at it now. There's us and, us and Forest both on forty nine. In 16th and 17th, then you got Coventry on 48, Birmingham on 48, they both won today. Huddersfield on 47 and Derby on 43, all played 42 games. Rotherham 
are in that last relegation spot. Obviously, they've got the two games in hand and they're on 39. So I think you, you look in there, I would I would say we're safe. But like you said, I think we need maybe two more points to guarantee it. But you're looking at like, what, five teams there for six teams even for one spot? Yeah, I, I think everyone's... I, I think we are safe as we are, but I just I think I just want that extra couple of points to be sure because then yeah. we're going to that Forest game last game of the season. It's a dead rubber at that point. You know, we played Barnsley the game before. You know, this week's pivotal for me. You know, we got Derby and Coventry. Coventry yeah. got a great great win today away to Bar- home to Barnsley. Sorry. Um, so I think that puts Coventry pretty much. I think it puts them nine points clear of Rotherham. You know, with four and six games left respectively so I just say you know Derby I think everyone had high expectations especially when Rooney went in and obviously he steadied the ship very well you know when we played them and they were Brownie right scored late on well but when Brownie well I think yeah they were there or thereabouts weren't they but when Brownie scored I, I didn't think we were the best team on the day I thought you know Derby were very very well organised I remember um, Ollie got a load of shit for suggesting that. Yeah, but then they went after after they lost to us. I think they beat Birmingham and lost to Chef Wednesday. But then they won like five out of like the next seven games or six out of the next eight, nine or something like that. They, they won quite a lot of games in a short period of time. But then since they beat Huddersfield um, towards the end of Feb, you know they've I think it's drawn three lost seven one one game so you know they've completely fallen off the cliff in terms of, of form and they get they've been beat to nil I think it's four times now just looking through my notes so yeah, and that's in that 11 games so yeah I think resilience wise I think they're pretty poor you know because especially after that was Friday night Rovers beaten weren't it you know yeah. especially them going they went one nil up in that game and then Obviously, been beat two one. I just think confidence wise, they're probably a little bit shot at the minute. So, look, we we need the, we need the win just as much as they do, you know. And I, I don't think I don't think we're going to go into this game thinking anything other than like this is the game we need to win to survive, you know, and stay up. We guarantee it. Yeah, you know, a, win, a win, a win, a win, we're safe, aren't we? Yeah, exactly. I don't think it'll change too much, and. Um, they tend to play four at the back, so we might match them up. But I thought the three-five-two worked pretty well yesterday. I know it's a, I know it's like for like in terms of, of shape, in terms of what Stoke played as well. But I thought it did, it did all right. I think it did a decent job. Whether you need three centre halves against one centre forward, I don't know. You know, I, I think you've still got the numbers in midfield if you've you're three against three. So. Uh, and I think it gives us more of a, a threat going forward with the two strikers. I wouldn't be surprised if he does change one of the front two. Because obviously, what's that? Emil and Evans is what? Fourth game together? Yeah. Fifth game yeah. together? Whatever it is since Frankie came in. I wouldn't, wouldn't shock me to see him put maybe Scott up there with Shed or might put Shawnee in. And just offer us something a little bit different. Uh, I know Potsy came on and played quite high up the pitch yesterday. But I just think it's something a little bit different rather than Reese and Evans because you know they've not scored between them, have they, in the four games from what I can remember. No. Um so I just think you need to chuck someone else up there, give someone a go, give, you know, up, maybe yeah. yeah, give Scott the opportunity. I, I know he came out in the press yesterday and said it weren't a game for Sinclair or Anthony Gordon. Obviously, Jay Malumby's not really getting a kick either, is he, at the minute? So, well, end of the day, Frankie knows the players. He'll see him over the next... He'll see him tomorrow, probably make a decision on his team tomorrow after training. And then, obviously, they're going to Tuesday night. So, what time's kickoff? Is it seven o'clock? Seven, yeah. yeah. Is it on the red button, do we know? I hope so. Not sure. I hope so as well. Not sure. Not look, to be honest. Um, but, yeah, we just literally... I just, I just want to get this win and then you know, it's that monkey off the back in it really makes mm. you think like season's done we've got three games can sort of enjoy them Tom Bayliss might actually be freed um, oh, I've just seen it ref as it's Jeff Elchingham oh it's that small oh, lad God. oh well 
The small the one, cards. With the ball, is it the one with the ball patch? Oh, he's up there. Yeah. It's not great. <laughs> it's not great, but it's what it is. Ref can't really control much what happens. It's down to the players, isn't it, really? Mm. Like, unless he makes a shocking decision. So let's hope not. Well, we've had a few of them, haven't we, over the years? More than enough. But the same oh, look at the game, that. the derby game last season. When obviously is it Sibley, the lad who's bought the free kick off Hunt, and Hunt's has stood oh, on right. it. Yeah, yeah. Rooney's Rooney scored the free kick, and is that first home game back after lockdown? Was it? I, I Might forget. have been. Yeah, yeah. Because it was. We no, saw. I think I'll tell you what it was. It was our um, landmark oh. game, wasn't it? It was our fifteen hundredth game. Fifteen hundred, five thousand. It was on Sky, weren't it? I'm tired. Fifteen hundred. Um, I don't think it was on Sky, was it? Uh, yeah, yeah, you might be right. Actually. Yeah, because it was. because ever the the, the comment the um, analyst in the studio was making a big song and dance about Hunt stamping on that lad when he's probably yeah. just mis misstepped on him or something like. You know, he's been a bit clumsy. I don't think he's yeah. gone to gone to do him personally, but like well, they're making a massive song Hunt's, and dance. Isn't it? We, he's never done anything like that, really. Well, they make a big song and dance, and he gets a three game ban for violent conduct. So great. So. But I think we dropped out of the playoffs after that game. or I think that was the game that decided it when Cardiff pipped us. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I had that uh, last week's guest, Adam Salisbury, uh, at mine, social distance, of course, for uh, commentary. We're doing commentary via, uh, for hospital radio. And I remember he's a, he's a very emotional character, as you know, Adam. <laughs> and, um, we were both we were just sat there in silence for about 10, 10 minutes after the game because it was kind of just one. It, it was kind of just planting the seeds of how the season was going to end, um, and then obviously it did end up ending like it did. So yeah, yeah, I don't like Derby. No, I don't. I think if they go down, it's no less than they deserve, in my opinion. Mel Morris is a crook. He's put a lot oh, of money into that football club. A wrong and as you say, Jim. Mm, not sure if he's a wrong gun. I think the takeover is about. I think the takeover that they're about to go through sounds like a, a bigger wrong gun than Mel Morris. Mel Morris has put his money where his mouth is. At least yeah, he's, he's yeah, he sold the stadium to himself, and he's fudged amateurization in terms of how they've put the put the transfer fees through the books and not spread it over the four year contract because usually normal procedures to spread it equally. He's not. He's put like. So say it's a four million pound transfer fee. He's done it five hundred thousand, five hundred thousand, five hundred thousand, two and a half million in last yeah. year, or something similar to that. Probably bigger figures, but end of the day, he's just tried to change procedure, you know. And the AFL have obviously lost that case, or it's not been heard yet. They'll probably get Nick DeMarco on the case, and they'll probably win the case, so they'll be fine. Yeah. But, but yeah, um, no, I don't. I don't think Mil Morris is as big a wrongin as people make out. This new, this, this Spanish lad is. This woman going in there. Oh yeah, oh, podcast on itself. Listen to past football from Thursday if you want to know how big of a potential wrongin this lad is. So we're we doing a podcast Tuesday night, Jay. Yeah, Lady's back. Oh, is he? Oh, that'd be nice to see him. Lady's back. Yeah, um, unless he cancels between now and then um, I know he's back in at school isn't he coaching and he's got the uh, the Millfield team to sort of get together so unless something comes up with that and or something else then yeah all being well we've got got Lady on um, and then we're down to we're down to three episodes then so we'll, I think we'll get Sal back on before the end of the season and then yeah sound meets well we'll we'll, we'll do an end of season wrap up won't we after the season's finished, and then it'll be meets basically all the way through end of May and June while we have a bit of time off. Yeah, thank you very much for listening to episode 52 of the From the Finney podcast, listener, and thank you very much, fellas, for coming on. Uh, Jack, we'll get you back on again soon. Don't know if it'll be before the end of the season or next season now, but yeah, definitely have you back on. And yeah, if you enjoy the pod, don't forget you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Um, you can support From the Finney by going to supporter.acast.com forward slash From the Finney. And yeah, thank you as always, boys. Much appreciated. Hello, this is Joe from Sugarstone, and this is our brand new single, Angel Boy.
Tell you it's stupid. 